Good morning to all of you this morning here in the uh, Fellowship Hall, Modern Worship Service. It's good to be with you. Good morning to all of you there over in the Contemporary Service in the Worship Center. We come together uh, for our worship times when we preach the Word together. And so thank you. Thank you for being here. Guests, it's good to see you. I, have, I don't recognize some of your faces, so welcome. We're glad you guys are here this morning and in, that, in, those, uh, in the other room as well. If you're a guest, we invite you to come afterwards. Our guest services over here in the Welcome Center, we would love to meet you. And so it is uh, wonderful to be here the fifth Sunday of January. And I wanted to bring you up to speed with something really, really quickly here. And and just to thank you, um, just to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the way in which you, Taylor's both rooms, and if you're listening online as well, have given over the last few weeks as we closed out 2016. Our folks have been working incredibly hard to close out the books of 2016, and so I just wanted to bring you just a, a small little thank you and a let's go get them in 2017. We finished well, and I came to you back in October, and I said, I need your help. And we need to finish well because we were looking ahead and we were asking ourselves, are we going to be able to finish in the blood? Are we going to be able to finish uh, with more uh, having been given than our expenses going out? And so it looks like real, real encouraged uh, that we're going to get there. The only reason I say we're not there yet is because we're not finalized. But all signs are pointing in that direction. And so I wanted to take just the opportunity to say thank you for giving. The 12 for 12 challenge last year, we started in October for 12 weeks, asked you to give $12 uh, above and beyond every week. And some of you did that. Our December, uh, our 10-year average for December, this was Nate, our 10-year average for December has been here at Taylor's $672,000, which is a lot of money for one month, by far the, the highest total of any month in the year. Last year, you guys gave, as we finished, $693,000, so over $20,000 more at the end of the year. And then our staff, just our, our staff did an incredible job of uh, just keeping budgets in check, doing ministry well, doing mission well, but they did it uh, really by being careful managers of the money that you provide, that God provides through you to us. So all that to say, uh, we are encouraged with the end of the year. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. And, and then also, let, let's just pivot and turn here. 2017, a new budget year. Adopted a new budget in November. In, in December, rather. And so we come to this new year. And um, I really would love to see us as a goal. I'd love to see us to meet the budget. Not only come in ahead when it comes to our giving, uh, what we receive and what goes out. Not only come ahead. Uh, but more than that, to meet that budget, which is going to take roughly 105000 a little under 105000 every single week to do that. But I think we can do that. I know we can do that because I've seen what you can do over the last three months of 2016. And so I would just encourage you as we come to the fifth Sunday of January, we're just a little bit ahead of where we were last January. But if you remember last January, we, we lost two weeks in January of 16. We had a snow day. And then someone in here pulled the fire alarm. Do you remember that? Someone got us out of here. And so we just had to shut it down. The the law says you got to get out. And we did. And we got out. Um, And so uh, we lost two Sundays last week. So we're a little bit ahead of last, uh, of last, or last year rather. We're a little bit ahead 
but we need your help because uh, January 1 of this year was a holiday. January 8, guess what January 8 was? Snow day. We didn't meet. We, we lost a Sunday. And then in one of our meetings, the student minister, Dustin Dozier, said, you know what? We got five Sundays in January. I'm going to pull the fire alarm just to make it even with last year. I said, please don't do that. Don't do that. And so um, all that to say, gang, we, we just really, let's pivot. Let's turn. Let's go. Let's go. Let's give as the Lord has been gracious to you, as Jesus has given to you in his gospel. He's been incredibly good to all of us. Let's be faithful. Let's be generous. And let's do this together. Let's do this together, no matter where you are in the giving scale. Here's the deal. Uh, the temptation is to say, well, I, I, can't, I can't get to that level of a, of a, of a regular giver, a regular tither, whatever. But you can do something. You, you can take that next step in giving. And all of us together uh, can see us reach this goal. So thank you for listening to that. Thank you for your help. Seriously, thank you for, for, for giving in 2016. And it's time now to go. Luke chapter 5, this is where we were last week. Go ahead and turn there if you have a copy of the Word of God in front of you. Um, if you're in this room, you might need a hard copy of the Word of God. Some of you like to have just the scriptures in your hands there. If you need one of those, um, raise your hand. Our deacons are looking here in this room. They'll go ahead and give you one over there in the worship center. The scriptures are in the pew rack right in front of you. You can turn on your digital device, please. Find Luke chapter 5 this morning. And I want to go ahead and begin by just reading the Word of God this morning. So if you found your place, Luke 5, if you're new to Bible study, Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament. All right, so if you can find the division between the old and the new, uh, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. If you've got your place, will you stand with me for the reading of the Word of God this morning out of respect, out of honor for uh, what God has given us, this incredible gift. And here is what the gospel says, Luke chapter 5 verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. And last week, we began a journey through this passage, and, and Luke pauses here in Jesus' ministry as he begins. In Luke chapter 4, he comes to his hometown, he preaches in his hometown, and he's already been busy. He's already been healing people who were sick. He's already been casting out those who have demons with, inside of them, and he's preaching and his teaching, and it says his popularity and his fame is spread all throughout the region. And so, 
We come to Luke chapter 5 and Jesus hits a pause button. And instead of being a one-man band where he's going to take off and do ministry by himself, he is going to pause just for a second and he's going to do something significant. And that is he's going to invite men to be with him. He's going to invite them to come and to walk with him for three years because he's only here for three years. 36 months or less and he's gone. And this incredible ministry of teaching and preaching and healing and his good news that he preached in Luke chapter 4. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. The good news that he has come to set free those who are captive, to uh, preach good news to the poor, to give sight to the blind, to free those who are indebted to their sin and to their guilt. That incredible good news. Jesus leaves and now it's up to these men that in Luke chapter 5, he comes and he says, come follow me. And Mark, I love how Mark puts it. He puts it really succinctly in Mark chapter 3 when he says this, that Jesus appointed the 12 so that they might be with him, with him, so that then they might go and preach and cast out Demons. So here is what we saw last week. Thought number one, and we're going to review the first couple of points and then we'll pick it back up with point number three. Thought number one last week was this, that Jesus invites you to imitate him and reproduce his life in other people. Jesus longs for every single one of you to take part in this kingdom way, in this kingdom calling of building up and multiplying and seeing your influence or Jesus's influence rather built up with those who are followers of Jesus so that within this multiplication of people that follow Jesus there's a movement of the gospel that goes beyond the walls this is what he did imitate me come be with me three years watch me listen to me imitate me and then go out and reproduce my life in other people. This is his calling. And secondly, here's what we have to realize. That every single person is invited. Because Jesus can transform any weakness or any failure. Here's where we kind of wait and go. That's wonderful because that's your job. That's what you do as a pastor. Or I know missionaries that that, that is what they do. Or the ministers on staff here at the church. That, that is what they do. And, and, and it's so easy to kind of opt out of disciple making. It is so easy to opt out of engaging in, in whatever kingdom venture that Jesus has called you to. Or people around you who need to, your influence in, within the body of Christ. Or those around you that don't know Christ at all. It's easy to say someone else can lead the way and someone else can do that. But understand this about these guys, these disciples. This is interesting. As little boys, they would start reading and, and, and start studying the scriptures and the traditions of Jewish life. And by the age of 15, all right, if you're 15 years old, by the age, by the time you're 15, if you're a 15-year-old young man, the rabbis and the teachers would be watching you and they would determine whether or not you've made the cut. Whether or not you, you are, um, you're, you're smart enough, you're bright enough to, to follow them, to walk with them until your age 30 for the next 15 years of your life. You give your life 
to that rabbi and to that teacher and follow him. Why? So that the teachings and traditions and customs and the scriptures and the Jewish way of life is passed on. And it goes on and on and on. That's how they did it. And Jesus looks at this model. He's called rabbi. He's called teacher. And he looks at this model and he says, you know what? I'm not after the ones who the, the, the rabbis and the teachers see as, as fully capable. I'm not after them. I'm not after the ones who have all the ability. I'm not after the ones that perform really, really well. I'm not after the ones who, who claim to be spiritually or, or morally above everybody else. I'm not after the ones who um, the rabbis look and they see potential in them. I'm after the ones who will give and abandon everything to follow me. And through their weaknesses and through their failures and through their sins, I will transform their lives. And I'm just looking for the ones who are going to be available. I'm looking for the ones who say, Jesus, take my weakness. Take my failure. Take, take me. Take my sin. And you know what? That includes every single face. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are not exempt. Because Jesus can transform anybody no matter what you've been through, he can transform that. So you might be coming here this morning thinking, there's no way. I, I'm just going to kind of slide in and slide out and here is my life. Uh-uh. Jesus wants to use you. Jesus is looking at you this morning. He's inviting you in because he's saying, listen, listen, I have power to transform whatever weakness or whatever failure you, you have. I want to use you. So here's what that means. That means if you're, you, you have an office job, you walk into an office every single day, Monday through, through Friday. You're, you're a landscaper. You're, you're a mechanic. You're, you're a painter. You're an architect. You're a doctor. You're a nurse. You're a healthcare worker. You're a student. No one is exempt from imitating and following Jesus for the sake of reproducing his life in other people. No one is exempt because Jesus's power is limitless. He is fully capable of transforming you right where you are and that place where you work and that neighborhood where you live and those co-workers that you mingle with. Everything about you, Jesus has his sight set on inviting you in to be like him so that you might have the joy of knowing him, but you might have the privilege of sharing him with those around you. No one's exempt. This is what we learned from this story. All right, thirdly. All right, so how do we, how do we keep going on this track? Thirdly, Jesus invites you to deeper waters to challenge your self-sufficiency. Now, we touched on this briefly last week. But when Jesus comes to, to Peter and he's preaching there, he's sitting down in the boat. And he says, Peter, let, let's go out a little bit deeper. I, Peter, um, I, I want you to, to go out and, and, and let's take the time to find the deeper waters. And I want you to cast out your net. And you notice what Peter says there in verse 4. We just read it. Master, here's the deal. Um, we, you don't understand. We, we, we've tried this and we've labored all night. And Master... Um, he could have said this, and he might have thought this. He could have said, you know what? Um, I understand fishing. I, I, I've, I've got this occupation down. I understand this lake. I, I, I've grown up right here in Capernaum, right on the side of the lake. I, I, I know all this. And Jesus comes to him, and he says, Peter, I want you to cast your net out into the feet. Jesus isn't a fisherman. 
Jesus is probably a carpenter, but he comes to Peter and he says, I want you to go out a little bit deeper. I want you to go out into the waters uh, where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I got it. I got it. I know you've been fishing all night. That's not what I'm asking you to do, to make sense of all of this. This is how we're self-sufficient, right? Here's where we are. Some of you are in the boat and Jesus is saying, let's go out a little bit deeper. Let's take that next step. Let's take that next step in my walk with Christ. I don't know where you are in the big, the big funnel. And, and, we're, and we as a church, our, our, our desire is to see you come into to tailors and continue to, to grow and to get to the point where you, you make disciples of other people. I don't know where you are in the picture. But whatever that next step is, can you see yourself in the boat? And Jesus says, let's go out a little bit deeper. And in your mind, here's the self-sufficiency. Here's where you're going to be challenged this morning. All right, the self-sufficiency says that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Or I, I've done that before. Okay, I've got this. I've got it. Or, or um, I'm really, you know what? I'm really not comfortable um, with going out a little bit deeper. Or I'm just not certain about that. Or, or Jesus, does it really matter? what you're asking me to do, there's this sense of self-sufficiency. And Jesus comes and he challenges Peter with this. And all of us, every single one of us, have something inside of us. There's a pride inside of us that, that keeps us in the boat. And if we're not careful, we'll stay there. We'll sit there in the shallow waters and we won't move because of our own pride. So here, here, here's the question for you. Whatever that next step is, what self-sufficiency are you trusting in or are you hoping in or are you comfortable with that won't allow you to, to move into the deeper waters? What is it? You know, we're in week four in my, um, my discipleship group. I love being with these guys and every single week we come and we take what the Lord has shown us in his word and we're reading through the scriptures we've started in Genesis and so we've come up against these guys that um, God has come to them and spoken to them. He has said something to them just like Jesus when he comes to Peter. He said something to him and it didn't make a lot of sense. All right, think about Noah. All right, we, we, we've been reading about Noah. Has, has never rained before, but yet here's this guy, and he's building a boat, an ark. Can you imagine? Noah, what is a boat? What is an ark? What's it for? Are you crazy? And you're going to do what with the animals? It just keeps pounding nails. It just keeps pounding, just pounding away. Abraham. Abraham, God, God. God comes to him. And I love that line in Genesis where, where it says, And Abraham left his family and left his, 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 his tribe and he left his country. Where are you going, Abe? Um, God has said, God has spoken and he's told me to make a move. Well, well, where is that? I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going. For us, as we talked about this in our D group, as we're around the table, breakfast table together. Hey, what does that look like today? We, we would think through, well, let, let's just rationalize this. Let's, just, let's be reasonable about this move. You know, we were kind of we were kind of laughing in our group when we we talked about you know what the number one thing we would do? We would make sure our wives get on the ground there first before anything else, right? 
You got to check out the neighborhood. You got to check out what's going on. Can we live here? And when God speaks to guys like Noah, and when God speaks to Abraham, and here was our conclusion, when God says a word to you, oftentimes comfort and certainty have to go out the window. Feelings often take second place. Feelings of comfort and certainty take second place to when God says, move. And, and so when Jesus comes to Peter, I love what Peter says. He puts his self-sufficiency down. I don't know if he grumbled about it. I don't know if he complained about it. I don't know if he was like, let him do his thing. He'll see. <laughs> and he says what? Nevertheless, at your what? Word. At your word. With your authority. Jesus, this is what I'll do. So they go out into the deep. We'll go out to the deep and we'll let down our nets. But then look what happens as Peter does this. And here's what I pray happens to every single one of us. Thought number four. When captured by Jesus' power and holiness, we lose our attachment to lesser things. Now here's the beautiful part about launching out into the deep. Number four. When captured by Jesus' power and holiness, we suddenly lose our attachment, our grip on the things that we think we need to hold on to, and Christ is everything. Christ is everything. Look at what it says there in the text. It says that when they dropped their nets down, there was so many fish that were being caught into the nets that Peter had to call over to James and John. So it's two sets of brothers in this fishing business in Capernaum. And so they called to James and John and they said, hey, hey guys, I'm, I'm sure the commotion, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't just a simple text. I'm sure it was, get over here. Now, I mean, this is prophet coming into the boat. This is, for some of you businessmen, this is the day of all days. This is the day when you came back to the office and you took everyone out to eat. All right, this was major something. Hey, are you kidding me? Bring all of these, bring, bring what you got, bring all the nets. And they start putting it in the boat and the boat starts getting wobbly because it's starting to, starting to sink. There's so many fish in there. Can you imagine all the commotion? Can you imagine what's going in Peter's mind right now? Oh my goodness, we, we've hit it. We've hit it. Vacation for the next two months. Sabbatical here for the next six months. I don't have to do anything because of all of these fish. And suddenly it dawns on him. Suddenly he's captured and his attention and his focus is no longer on the business. His attention and focus is no longer on fish. He looks at Jesus and he drops to his knees. Use your imagination here. He drops to his knees in front of Jesus. All that's going on. And he looks at him and he simply says, Jesus, you must leave. For why? What does it say in the text? For I am what? I am sinful. Now, just process that for a second. In the middle of all that, Peter is captured by the power. He, he see, they're astonished, it says, verse 9. They are absolutely astonished. And they see this power and then they come to this realization that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. That Jesus is indeed the one who can transform all things. But he's afraid. Get, Jesus, can you, can you just leave? Can, can, can you just get out? Now, what is he saying? Is he trying to chase Jesus away? Is he, is he, is he trying to say, You're, I don't want you here? No, really what he's saying is as I look on the inside in comparison to you, when I 
ultimately come face to face with who you are and your power and your holiness, I see inside of me that I am sinful, that, that I am unworthy. I, I'm unworthy to be in your presence. And here's what I love about Jesus is that he doesn't leave Peter there in a state of complete fear. He doesn't leave Peter there in a condition where he doesn't know what to do. He's on his knees before him. Let me pause just a second here. For some of you this morning, here's the reality. Whether you're in this room or whether you're in the other room or whether you're online this morning, here's the reality. Some of you have never come face to face for the very first time with this realization that Jesus has come to earth and has all power and he is holy and that you, in light of him, are sinful. Have you ever come to that realization? Some of you might say, oh my goodness. It happens all the time. I, I'm, I'm just filthy. I mean, I mean, if you just admit, I, I, I come in here and people don't know. But, but I, man, I've been coming and I, I'm just inside filthy. I'm not worthy of Jesus. Here's the reality this morning. That Jesus has come. To rescue you from your sin. And watch what happens here in this text. Look at it in verse uh, 10. Here's Peter. Here's Jesus' response to us when we come before. Maybe for the very first time. And we realize who we are. Maybe for some of you, church and religion and the routine has created this hardened shell. I'm one of you. Right, I, I, I grew up in the church. It's created this hardened shell on the outside where you're not going to let anybody in. Let alone, I'm not going to let Jesus in. And this morning you come face to face with him. This morning you come face to face with him and you realize where you are in your life. You realize that you're not, not worthy to follow. You're not worthy because of, what, of your sin, because of your habits, because of your addictions, because of everything that you struggle with this morning. We, hey, look, followers of Jesus struggle with, with sin in their lives. There are no perfect people. You understand that? No perfect people. And you come this morning, and like Peter, you come face to face with Jesus. It's been my prayer this week that every single one would have an encounter with Christ this morning. And whether for the very first time or whether repeatedly you can't deal with your sin, and you come face to face with him, and you fall on your knees in front of him, and you say, I just don't want anything to do with you, look at Jesus' response, verse 11. This is beautiful. Peter, do not be afraid. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus has come in all of his glory and in all of his holiness and in all of his power. But when he went to the cross, here is why he went to the cross. To take the sin and the shame and the guilt and the fear of judgment that will come from God upon those who are left in their sins. All of that, Jesus has come, taking it on the cross so that the one who takes our sin on the cross is the same one that comes to you and says, don't run. Don't be afraid. Don't run. Repent. Run away from your sin and come to me. Maybe some of you for the very first time you're hearing this. Run away. That's what the word repent means. It means to run away from your sin and run to Christ. This is the beauty of the gospel. That in our sin, we don't run and hide. That's what some of you do. 
You run and hide and, and, God, and, you, and you put yourself on a shelf, but run to Christ and watch what he can do in transforming your life. Don't be afraid, he says. Do not fear. I'm here. I'm here. And when we do that, our life is transformed and our focus moves away from lesser things. When he does that, and as you remember a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, when we had Life Transformation Sunday, it was a Sunday in September. It's one of the greatest days I've ever experienced here at Taylor's First Baptist Church. Do you remember why? Because we, we were over in the worship center, over there where you guys are, and, and we had baptisms going up in the uh, baptistry. We had baptisms going down below. Do you remember that? And, and we invited people to come, and some people came. And, and what, what was going on there? It was an open declaration that Jesus transforms lives. It was an open declaration that I was in my sin. This is what baptism is. I was in my sin, but now I've been raised to life. And we saw people moved by, by Jesus, and we loved it. We, we kind of threw out the regular order of worship that day, and, and, and guess what? I didn't get any complaints about the service running over that day, right? People, their attention and their focus was moved by Jesus and his transformation. And this is what happens. So finally, Jesus is going to move Peter. All right, lesser things, fish, the business. They come up to shore. They, they get their boats in. They haul, their, they haul the fish up. They throw the fish down. I don't know what they did with fish. I don't know what the process was in the fishing business. But it says in the very last line that when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. And they followed him. Number five, we'll abandon everything when we value Jesus' agenda more than our agenda or the agenda of anybody else. Here, here is where it gets really, really sweet for the follower of Jesus. When he finally says, that's it. That's it. My pride, my sin is yours. My agenda, my nets. The fishing business, that's it. I'm, I, I'm going to pursue Jesus. This is what happens when our agenda suddenly becomes his agenda. I love how this works. It works out in different ways. You know, for, let, me, let me give you a couple of examples and then we'll close. All right. Um, how, how does Jesus' agenda about catching men? where our focus is no longer simply on ourselves or on, on whatever holds us back or whatever makes sense or whatever my feelings are or whatever I'm entitled to. All that goes away. Jesus focuses on you, and now I want to see others transformed. What does that look like? Here's something incredibly simple, all right? Next week, I love the Super Bowl. I love the Super Bowl for two reasons, because it has two of my favorite things in all of life, football and food, all right? Those two things are incorporated into the life of the Super Bowl, right? And, and I, I love your friends who invite us over. It's great. Uh, I enjoy being with people. Our family loves us. It's a lot of fun. The kids look forward to, to Super Bowl Sunday in the evening time and where we can just hang out. And eventually I make my way back to the couch uh, at my house around the third quarter or so. And my team hasn't been in the Super Bowl for a really, really long time. So I start zoning out all the food, never, you know, the food coma and all that. By about the fourth quarter, I'm pretty much, I love the Super Bowl, right? But here, here's what we've asked you to consider doing. That Jesus' agenda is more than Paul's agenda for food and football and Sunday. 
And so we're asking you to invite your neighbor over next week. We have taken our, our service next week, our worship time, and we said, you know what, let's set that to the side. We meet every Sunday. Let's set Sunday evening to the side, and let's take up Jesus' agenda here, and, and let's invite someone to come, or let's go with someone, and let's begin like Jesus to connect with people who do not know him. Read what happens to Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, a tax collector, when Matthew gets a hold of Jesus' agenda over his own, and when he follows Jesus, he invites all of his tax collector friends. And look, these guys were hated. These guys are the guys you didn't want at your party. These were the guys that, that had filthy reputations. These were the guys that you just kind of were glad that they stayed over there. And we would stay over here. And Matthew says, Jesus, your agenda is to reach these men. Will you come to my party into my house. Amazing. Same principle there. Simple way. Simple way. Here's another way. I love this. And I, I think this is worthy of just communicating to you as a church. When you watch the news over the last, uh, over the last few days, we've seen what, what the president has done in issuing an executive order on behalf of shutting down the refugee program for a certain period of time. He singled out um, various countries over in the Middle East, and uh, he has suspended all refugees coming from those countries uh, indefinitely. And so um, here, here's the thing. Refugees that would normally come into this country are being waylaid and detained at airports and Look, I, I don't want to get into all of the politics here. I don't want to get, get really incredibly partisan here. But here's the point. Do we have, when it comes to items like this and, and issues like this, do we have a gospel agenda or do we have a political or partisan agenda? So, so let me explain a little bit further. I called Mike Lee on the phone yesterday. And I said, Mike, I'm so encouraged by your work. This is Mike and Julie Lee. Mike and Julie were overseas with the International Mission Board as missionaries. They've come back over here. God has prompted them to start a refugee ministry. So this is up and running well before President Trump and all, these, all the talk of refugees started up. These, this couple has given their lives to refugees right here in the United States, as you know, uh, in various parts of this country. Refugees from other nations are flooding in. Do you realize that outside Atlanta, there's a town called Clarkston. There's a town called Clarkston that is filled with the nations of the world. You can drive through there and you can knock on apartment complexes. You can go to stores and you can see nations from around the world. And Clarkston is a spot where the UN has said if you're fleeing religious persecution, your political persecution, oppression overseas, you come over here and we'll find you a spot. There in Clarkson. It's absolutely unbelievable. And so what the UN has done and organizations like World Relief have done, they have said they've come to churches and they have simply said, will you take refugees? Will you take people who are fleeing and who are vulnerable and who, who are, are in many instances, they are the ones who are subjected to terrorism. Will you take men? And guess what? Many, many churches, over a thousand churches with world relief, and I know there are many other churches that are involved in that, have raised their hands and they've said, we will take them. Bring them. Why? Because churches 
like Taylor's, have said, Jesus' agenda, we value Jesus' agenda above any president's agenda, any political agenda, any partisan agenda. And if people who are vulnerable, like the family, you ready? Let me keep spinning this out. You Taylor's like the, have brought a family here from Burma. And there's a good neighbor team. There's a good neighbor team of, of 12 people who have surrounded this family from Burma. And they have come and they don't have anything. And you've given them furniture and you've given them clothes. And you begin to walk with them. And ultimately we, we hope to teach them English. And we furnish this apartment for them where they can stay and working with World Relief. And some of you in this room or in that other room or maybe you're listening online, some of you have contributed to this. And here's what you're saying. Jesus' agenda is more than any political partisan agenda, any worries about refugee. Because if Christ has said to us to care for the least of these, if Christ has said, this is how you demonstrate the gospel, those who are made in my image, just not good Southern Americans, but all nations made in my image, when they come, you demonstrate the gospel to them by loving them and caring for them. And I am so proud of you, Taylor's First Baptist Church, because you've given to these folks. And there are other families. We pray other families will come. And there are some of you on a waiting list saying, hey, we want to help too. And I'm so proud of you because here's what you've done. You've said it doesn't matter what the political agenda is. The gospel agenda is that we will reach those who need it. I love that. I love that. So here's the question. I'm just giving you two examples. Where is God calling you? I mean your agenda. To, to lay it down and to follow him. The possibilities are endless. What is the next step for you? The next step for some is to, to be a part of Taylor's. It was incredible this past week. And we, we, we gave the invitation out last week. And we had 19 people in addition to those that were already coming. 49 people come on Monday night and say, hey, we want to hear about Taylor's. That might be the next step for you. The next step for you might be, um, as Jeremy Thompson, who now leads our, our life group effort, he's pouring into you leaders and he's strengthening and, 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 and encouraging you. And he, he's calling out for life groups to develop leaders, develop teams that can come and care for people and build up the body so that you can go out and reach people. Maybe some of you, that's the next step where you'll say, you know what, I've been sitting on the sideline long enough. Here is where I'll jump in. For some of you, it might be uh, when it comes to, to reaching through our community. Or, or one of our trips. I, I don't know where it might be this morning. But after all we've been through over the last couple of weeks, it simply comes down to this. As you look into the face of Jesus and he transforms your life, are you ready to lay down whatever is holding you back? And saying, he is enough. And his agenda is of reaching people who do not know Christ. And his agenda of building a church that is healthy, filled with people that love and are unified around the word and serving one another. That unity Jesus prayed for in John 17 the fruit Jesus prayed for in John 17, just before he leaves. You want to know Jesus' heart for us at Taylor's? Unity. 
fruit, giving our lives to this mission. This is what Jesus is after. What is your part? What is your next step? We want to help you. We want to serve you. We at Taylor's, we want to be a part of bringing you in alignment. Where if you say, you know what? I'm ready. I, I, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to jump in. We want to help you. You come to the guest services um, area over here in the Welcome Center afterwards. I'll be there. We'll have ministers there. And our job is to say, yeah, how, how can we serve you? You come forward in this service. You come forward in the other service there. You come and you say, hey, God is stirring in my heart. This is the beautiful part about standing out there in the Welcome Center is when someone comes to me and says, this is where God is stirring. Man, it's beautiful to see the Spirit work. Let's pray about that right now. Father, we invite you now to work in us as you did in Peter on that day in which he fell at his knees and his whole life was redirected. His whole purpose, his whole mission, his whole perspective changed because he got the privilege of walking with your son and Lord, I pray that you would stir in us that same desire that Jesus has invited us and we walk with him. And then we're sent by him. We're not limited just to know him. We're not limited just to study about him. We're not limited to stay in our comfortable quarters where we build up an image of Jesus for us that is self-contained. But it is radically generous on behalf of pursuing other people. So Lord, hear our prayer this morning. We need you. Taylor's needs you. Our church needs you. Your people, your flock, your sheep, you see inside of their hearts. They need you. The one who is far from Christ, who has heard just talk of Christ and, his, and, and our sin and the cross, Oh, Father, work in their hearts. May they take that step forward either today or some other day where they say, I need to know more. So, Lord, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.